now I can see testing comes from above. And I like the last line, now I can trust. Now I can trust. When the refiner puts me through the fire and he's taking away everything that doesn't need to be, and that's a whole lot in my life. But when he's working and he's moving and he's, he's making me a man like him, I learn to trust. I learn to trust. And it is sweet to trust Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 40, verse number 4, he said, Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth, respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Beth and I had been married three years, and in 1994, the Lord moved us from Conyers to Lenore, North Carolina. And we, we had a home in Conyers, and we put it up for sale. We met this, well, we met this real estate agent, and we said, look, are you going to sell our house? Yeah, trust me. Well, until you sell the house, would you mind renting it so we can make the payment? Yeah, trust me. We learned, Wade, we learned not to trust a certain realtor. Uh, because putting your confidence in man, putting your confidence in man is a failure. You know, a lot of people have said, trust me. I'll go ahead and admit it. I've said it to my boys before, trust me. And sometimes that didn't work out too well either. Landon, don't, don't say amen or anything. But the psalmist said, he that maketh the Lord his trust is a blessed man. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. He understands. He knows what I'm walking through. And as I trust him, exactly what, what the words, blessed, happy. Happy is the man that trusts Jesus. Uh, you won't be happy if you, you put your confidence in man. Let's go ahead and admit it. Live across the world, I'm not happy with my government. I did my best to try to vote the proper way. And I'm not happy with what's in leadership. Most of them aren't trustworthy. But that's not where my future is. The government and the leadership of this country is not what I've put my trust in. My trust is on the Lord. And to me, to me, trust is a total dependence upon what God said. A total dependence upon what God said. Because the psalmist also said that he esteemed his word above his very name. So to depend on Jesus, to trust in Jesus is placing your total dependence on everything that God said. And what God said is always true. There's not one error in anything that God said. It's perfect. It's holy. So my trust, to put my trust in the Lord, to put my total dependence in what God has said means that I can completely trust on every promise announced in His Word. Promise that uh, hallelujah. He'll provide every need that I have. He'll take care of every situation in my life. The promises of God. Over 300 in the Bible. If I'm not mistaken, there's a promise for every day of the year in the Word of God. 
a promise to claim every day, you can trust on that. You can bank on that because it's total dependence upon the Word of God. Everything that God said, you can trust the promises of God. My mother-in-law has been praying about something for years. Best mom. Brother Joe, years ago, God gave her a promise on it. God gave her a promise on what she's been praying for, and she's still praying about it. But I believe with all my heart, the promise that God gave to her, he's going to fulfill. Because I can trust Jesus. Total dependence upon his word and what he said. Uh, To trust Jesus is to put my total dependence upon the presence that he has assured me of. Uh, Praise God. I'm glad he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Man, I've turned my back on Jesus, but he's never turned his back on me. He's never left me alone in the dark nights. When the days were long and the nights were dark and the valleys were deep, Jesus was there. And let's just admit it, like the hymn writer, the the poet wrote, most of the time he was carrying us through the way. When you couldn't make it and I couldn't make it, the presence of God was there. You can trust and depend on the word of God and the presence that he is assured in the word of God. I'm glad tonight that God has never left me alone. God has never left you alone. There have been times in your life that you've questioned, God, where are you? And I, I, Brother Shane, I feel like most of the time when I question God, where are you? Uh, it's not that he's walked away. Most of the time it's because I've turned the wrong way. I've made a foolish decision. God's always there. And he's present in my life. Present to meet my needs. Present to take care of my families. I believe when we get to heaven, glory to God. When we get to heaven, Brother Justin, throughout the eternal ages, God's going to show us every time he was present, every time he touched your life, every time he spared you from despair, every time that God protected your family when somebody out there was in harm's way. You can trust, depend on the word of God for the promises that he's announced, the presence he assured, but Boy, I I really like this. You can place your total dependence upon God if you've bowed at the cross, trusted the blood of Christ, been redeemed, set free, had your sins covered. You can promise the word of God. In John 14, 6, the place of waiting. Jesus, oh, hallelujah. Jesus himself said, I'm going to prepare a place. And I don't know what it's going to be. Really, it doesn't matter if it's a little house or a massive mansion. I know there's a lot of debate about it. I'm looking for a mansion. That's what the King James Bible says. But it really doesn't matter to me what that is. For where Jesus is and in the place he's prepared, uh, Lord, Hallelujah. Brother Matt, we're going to walk on stuff that we call valuable on our finger. We're going to walk on it. We're going to walk through a gate of pearl. I mean, those little things we buy to put around our wife's neck. We're going to walk through a gate made of one. How beautiful heaven must be. And I am putting my trust. I have put all my trust, Pastor Barrios, In the word of God and what God said, that's what my trust is based upon. Everything that God said, blessed, happy is the man, 
Happy is the man that puts his full confidence in everything that God said. Job has been finding Christ in the midst of his crisis. Anybody here? Raise your hand. You ever said, God, where are you? And what are you doing? But aren't you glad standing somewhere in your crisis is the Christ of your crisis? We've been getting these glimpses of Jesus in the gospel according to Job. In fact, if you're starting Genesis and go to Malachi, you'll bump into him quite often. And I'm glad the book of Job gives us such a wonderful glimpse of the person and work of Christ. We have seen him as the representing one. He's the daysman that gets betwixt us. We have seen him as the recording one. My witness is in heaven and my record is on high. We have seen him as the redeeming one. I know that my redeemer liveth. And this morning I about preached myself into a tizzy. We seen him as the refining one. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Very quickly tonight, I want you to come to chapter 13 and verse number 15. And I quoted this verse during the invitation this morning while the ladies were doing such a wonderful job of that great hymn of the church. And uh, I'm glad that Job gives us another glimpse of Christ, that he is, listen now, the reliable one. He is the reliable one. Someone might ask at the end of the message today, okay, preacher, I understand he's the refiner. I understand he's working on me. I understand that he's got my best interest in mind. Oh, I feel God in here. I understand, preacher, that I am one day going to come forth. It will vanish. It will be valuable. But what am I supposed to do in the meantime? My dad in 1987 was going to pick up Mays Jackson at the airport. He was coming to preach for dad. Brother Mays preached for my dad second week in September every year, whether God was in it or not. And most of the time he was in it. He went to get up out of the bed and he lost his balance and he fell back into the bed and his world was spinning around. Dad figured it was just another attack of vertigo. He had had a couple of those. Anybody here ever had a vertigo attack? That's the closest as you'll get high and not get high. And so we just figured it was another vertigo attack. But something just said, go see your doctor. He went to go see our doctor and the doctor said, it's probably an attack of vertigo, but pastor, something in me is telling you that you need to go have a, a, a CT scan. And the CT scan come back like most CT scans. Uh, you know, we don't really know. So go have the MRI done. And they came and said, we have found your problem. It's not vertigo. You have a tumor the size of a, of a golf ball on your pituitary gland. But don't worry about it. We're going to go up your nose and we'll pull it out and everything's going to be fine. Well, the day of the surgery, they come in and say, listen, we did some more tests and 
and we're not going to be able to do that procedure. We're going to have to shave your dad's head and cut him from this ear to the crown and surgically remove it, but it'll be fine. Eight hours later, the doctor came and got me and mom. Julie was expecting Joseph and uh, said, listen, I, I, I did the best I could, but I couldn't get all of that. There were three parts of this little tumor that have wrapped around the preacher's optic nerve to his right eye. He said, so we got most of it. We scraped it out. We'll just see. And uh, that was the last week of October. Uh, Joe was born the first week in, well, of the first month of the year, January. And I remember as I was at the hospital uh, waiting on my son to be born. My mama called me. She was weeping. She said, we just got a report. The tumor's bigger than it was before. That little bit that was left has grown bigger, and now we got to go do radiation. And you know, one thing led to another. One thing led to another. One thing led to another. Anybody been there and done that? Got the scars. And I remember going into Daddy's room the night before the surgery, and uh, I was crying. My mama was crying. And I said, Dad, what are we going to do? You're the rock in our family. You're our hero. And I said, the church, Faith Baptist and Marion, you know, what are they going to do? What mama's going to do? Mama can't drive. Daddy tried to teach my mother to drive one time, and he lost his salvation seven times. Seven And he said, God just foreordained from the foundation of the world. Your mama ain't supposed to drive. Those of you that know my mama, can you see her in Atlanta in a car? Rush hour. And uh, I said, Dad, what are we going to do? What's mama going to do? What's the church going to do? I was told up. Some of you been there with your daddy? You know. Now the man of God, he sat up in that bed and said, Now boy, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what Faith Baptist is going to do. And I don't know what your mama's going to do, but I'm going to tell you what your daddy's going to do. I said, what? He said, the same thing I've been doing since I got saved. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And I believe when we come to this text tonight, that's the words of Job in chapter 13 and verse number 15. He says in the midst of his calamity, his malady, though he slay me, read it out loud with me, church, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. Say this first part of verse 16. He also shall be my salvation. For Job makes this declaration. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He is the reliable one. I'm glad you can trust God in the time of crisis. The pastor, the son was uh, passed away last night. I talked to him in the, on the phone in my office right before he came out. And I called to encourage my brother. I called to try to console my brother. And we only talked about 30 seconds and he's quoting scripture. 
He said, I stayed there in Florida to two o'clock in the morning talking to the coroner. I got home early, early this morning and I walked to our church pulpit and I opened my Bible and I preached. I said, why, how did you do that? He said, God helped me. But he said, I went to the pulpit and I preached from Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all, with all thine heart. And he said, Brother Joe, I emphasize this part. And lean not unto thine own understanding. And he said, I put my arm around my daughter and my arm around my old boy and my arm around my wife. And I said to our church, the only way we are going to make it through this deep, dark hole that we're in, we cannot and we will not and we must not lean to our own understanding. Have you ever met all these people? They got all the answers. There's a man on social media. I'm going to call him one day and say, my brother, I am looking for the great, grand, glorious opportunity to meet you in person because I've never met anybody that knows everything about everything, but evidently you do, and I can hardly wait to meet you. Have you noticed most people that know everything about you, they don't know nothing about them? They don't even know how weak and fleshly and carnal they are. We cannot lean under our own understanding. Because I'm here to tell you, there are some things I don't understand. This young man that lost his life last night in Florida that lives here in Atlanta, going to Bible college, go soul winner, serving the Lord, straight A student, living for God, and he snuffed out in the prime of his life. I'm going to tell you something, I don't have any answers for that. None. I cannot understand that. But I promise you tonight, God never told me one time to ever understand the circumstances that are uncontrollable in my life. So we will not lean unto our own understanding. Job is not leaning to his own understanding. He said, I'm going to trust him because he is the reliable one. And I don't mean anything ugly about this, but I'm telling you, when you can't trust your friends, when you can't trust your family, when you can't trust the one you love on earth the most, and when you cannot even trust yourself, standing in the midst of your crisis is a God who is holy and righteous and sovereign, and he can be trusted. I will trust in him. Quickly tonight, let me give you three things in this verse. Number one, I want you to notice the words in this verse. You say, well, it's only one word, the word trust. Oh, no, that's not the main word. There are two little words to me that put fire in this text. It's the little word, though, and the little word, yet. You know what kind of faith we got to have, though and yet. You know what kind of trust we got to put in Christ, though and yet. Notice what he said in the text tonight. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You know me, I love words. I love to study words. 
I got out my Merriam-Webster dictionary and I wanted to make sure I was right because we have an English professor among us. And I wanted to make sure I was right. I looked up the word though and there was about 12 different explanations of this word but one jumped out at me and I shouted glory. Now you know you, you're all right when you get a blessing reading the dictionary. Well, I guess so the Bible said every word of God is pure. But Merriam-Webster said this word though means, listen to this, despite the fact. Despite the fact. Job's talking about being slayed. He's talking about being slain. He's talking about, as we say in the country, getting killed. He thinks this trial is going to kill him. And notice, he wasn't a Baptist because he wasn't blaming everything on the devil. Now, those of you that are my age, 60 and above. Now, if you're 60 and below, you won't get this point. But if you're 60 and above, you were going to get it. How many remembers watching TV? And I was a little ball-headed fella come out on TV. And he'd go, whoo, the devil made me do it. Anybody remember Reverend Flip? You remember that? Raise your hand tonight. Whoo, the devil made me do it. And well, one night I was sitting there watching TV with my dad. And he'd come on and that guy said, whoo. The devil made me do it. And my daddy said, no, he didn't. You did it your own dumb self. He looked at me and said, boy, I hate the devil like everybody else, but we blame things on him and God, neither one of them's a hundred miles up. Sometimes it ain't God. Sometimes it ain't the devil. It's something crazy we done mess with. But Job realizes this battle is between this storm and this affliction. And this trial is going through. It's him and God. As I emphasize this morning, when he hath tried me, when he hath tried me, the psalmist said he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's you and God. It's me and God. It's a personal thing. And Job says, though he slay me, he said, my body is weak. I'm dying. This trial is going to kill me. But he used the word though. Mm. Despite the fact, despite the fact that I may die in the midst of this trial. Let me tell you what kind of faith we got to do tonight. Despite the way it looks, in spite of the way it feels, in spite of the way we don't understand it, the truth still remains that he is trustworthy. Though, despite the fact. Then I got a hold of that little word, yet. And I had me a time with that. Mr. Merriam-Webster says, yet means still. And it is used to emphasize, listen to this, repetition. What do you mean by that? I trust in the day and I trust 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 and I trust. And I keep on trusting because yet. I'm glad tonight, despite the fact, still, the derivative is regardless. The old English says, nevertheless. 
in Georgia, we say a hallelujah anyhow. Yet, I will trust in him. And I got to seeing how those those and yets just come on through the Bible. David said, yeah, though I walk through the valley. Psalm 42 said, though the mountains be moved and though the sea roar and though the lightning flashes. Can I tell you this tonight? He's the though God. He's on the throne. His word is true and his Holy Ghost is alive despite the fact. And that little word yet, yet will I trust in him. Yet will I praise the Lord. Yet, according to thy word, the words of this text, I want God to change things so I can trust him. And God says, I trust me whether I change them or not. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So I see the words of the text. But secondly, in this verse, I see the decision of this text. A decision is made. A personal choice is made. Notice how he words it in the scripture. Though, despite the fact he slay me, still, repetition, yet I will. And notice Job didn't say, you will. He didn't say, they will. He said, I will. You know what I have discovered? Anybody in the word of God that ever lived for God, listen to this, made a daily, repetitious, personal choice to do so. Why do you think Moses said, choose you this day? Choose you this day. You say, Brother Joe, I don't have to make any choices. Every day of your life, you have to decide, I'm doing right today. Today, I will pray. Today, I will read. Today, I will trust. Today, I will obey. Today, I will follow. Faith is a personal, everyday choice. Paul, you seem to have such victory in your life in spite of the thorns and the troubles of life. You seem to have so much confidence and hope and victory in your life. Paul, what is the secret? He said, I die daily. I'm renewed day by day. I make this choice to trust God. There's a little song in the Red Book. Most Baptists won't sing it because they think it's a work song. It is not a work song. It is a choice song that we must choose every day. And it's called, I have, I will, I do believe. I have, I will, I do believe. Ladies and gentlemen, God has never saved anybody that didn't ask to be saved. God is a perfect gentleman. He will never violate your free will that he created in your soul. God's never forced anyone to be saved or live for him. You choose the Lord. You choose Christ. You put 
personal faith in him. And Job was looking at his friends and says, I don't know what you're going to do. And he's looking at his wife saying, I don't know what you're going to do. And he's looking at the people around him, wondering what all is going on in his life. And Job said, today, I make my choice. Today, I make my choice. I will trust in him. There's a choice in this text. Paul, he said, Job said, I will, I will, I will. Let me ask you this tonight. What's your choice? What decision are you going to make? He said, I will. So I see the words in this text. I see the decision in this text. But notice the last line. I see the foundation of this text. Where is all of this faith going? Where is all of this trust going? Notice how he words it. Though, despite the fact, still, regardless, repetitious, on and on, I will trust. I've made a choice. I've made a decision. But don't, don't miss this. I will trust in them. I will trust in me. I will trust in that. I will trust in this. Can I say there was no him, they, this, or that glory left to trust? I will trust in, say it with me, church, him. That's the foundation. That's where all of this faith rests. I love the old hymns of the church. And as long as I'm pastoring and in my right mind, we're going to sing them. We're not going to throw away our songbook. We're not going to throw away these hymns of the faith that have inspired us to live for God through the years. I'm telling you right now, I love this one. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me did bleed. I need no other argument. I need no other plea to listen to this line. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Here's another one. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, which is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. Let's have a little testimony meeting. Is there anybody in this section? 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 Is there any backsliders on the back section? And those that are in the hall security, and those that stand in the dungeon, the horrible pit, the nursery. Is there anybody on this 17 acres of ground tonight know of a better place to put your faith and your hope and your dreams and your future and your family than in him and him alone? Praise the Lord, the foundation of this text in him. I'm going to close tonight with an acrostic. I love to do these. I've done one at Larry Brown's funeral, and we had a good time with that. But watch this word, trust. T-R-U-S-T, trust. T, 
I can trust him because he's true. Can I just say he's not a fake nor a phony. He's true. Or I can trust him because he is righteous. He's perfect. He's without sin. He'll do the right thing. Are you, 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 understanding? He is understanding. You can trust somebody that understands your heart. S-U-T-R-U-S. He's strong. He's strong. I made a stewardess on the airline the other day laugh. I said, now, honey, when I get, we get ready to take off, you let me know I'm going to stand up. She said, you can't, you got to stay seated. You got to stay. I said, I'm going to stand up. They call me preacher. Preacher, what you going to stand up for? I want to take a little load off the plane. And of course, she was blonde and she's trying to figure it out. And finally it hit her. She said, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. You got the same 250 pounds. I said, don't go there, sister. She said, you got the same 200 plus. I said, don't, don't call no numbers. But she said, I get it. It's, you got the same weight on the plane, whether you stand up or whether you sit down. And she said, preacher, it's a long way to where we're going. Why don't you sit down and have a Bisco and a Coca-Cola? You know what you can do? You can stand up trying to take it easy on God. Why don't you just lay down and rest and enjoy the trip? He's strong. T-R-U-S and then the last T. And that is trustworthy. You say, what's the word trustworthy mean? Well, Merriam-Webster said, worthy of one's trust. You say, trust has got to be earned. I tell young preachers that. How to pastor your church. Brother Joe, they won't trust me. How long you been there? Three weeks. You say, trust has to be earned. Well, can I tell you this? What more has God got to do? What more has God got to do to prove to you and I that he's trust Aren't you glad tonight he is reliable? You can trust in him. In the midst of your crisis, there is one who is reliable. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That doesn't mean your problems go away. That doesn't mean the enemy is defeated immediately. That means you're going to stay and lean and rest while the work is done. Let me ask you this tonight. If we can trust God to forgive us of our every sin, save us from hell, take us to heaven when we die, everything else ain't all that big, that he is worthy of our trust. I want you to stand with me tonight. Lord Jesus, we love you.